Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Every one of us, I've been teaching this through the years, probably more recently, thank you, sir, um, in, in the sense of emphasizing the importance that you understand and that you have, if you're born again, you have the third person of the Godhead living in, in the inside of you. Amen. If we would become more conscious of that, I believe that we would carry ourselves uh, in a, a greater mannerly way. Just like you would if you had somebody come over and visit, you would, you would buck up and you would, uh, you know, act more like God. I'll talk to these people over here. I don't know. What's, can I have an amen? Yeah, you want to be more like God. And that we're all endeavoring to, to be that. But when you are conscious of the presence of someone living in your house, Amen. And it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, it, you have to take that as the truth and, 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 and take it by faith. That you have the Holy Ghost living in you. In fact, he wants to talk to you far more than you realize. He really does. And I can't imagine. I've said this in the past. And sometimes Pastor Vicky's talking with me. And I'm, look, I'm looking right at her, but not hearing a word she's saying. Because I'm over here in La La Land. And then she gets frustrated. And then she said, she asked me, what did you say? And then I'm praying with the nine gifts of the spirit going my operations. I remember what she said. <laughs> well, can you imagine the Holy Spirit endeavoring to get our attention in specific, at specific times and seasons, but we're not listening. Amen. Say this out loud. I have, I have. Someone, living in me. someone living in me. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. We're going to, though I won't be reading this immediately, we're going to begin there today. I want to talk about identifying true Christianity. I mean, you know, when a person says they're, says they're a Christian, there should be some evidence that that's true. Amen. Can I have an amen? amen? Life, I just want to begin by saying, life is a gift from Almighty God. It really is. And uh, life is relational. What does that mean? That when you enter eternity... There's only two things you're going to take with you, your relationship with God and your relationship with one another. It's the only two things. All the other things you thought were valuable, from your, from your materialism to your money, right, to the pleasures you thought, you know, would be the ultimate um, uh, joy in your life, you realize that none of it matters when you're on your deathbed and you're breathing your last breaths. What matters is those that are around you at that time that love you. Can I have an amen? I can't imagine dying without someone. Years ago, we had a hired hand when I was a little boy. His name was Carl Samuel. It was Carl Samuelson. He's from Sweden, you know. And uh, uh, he, um, he was a hired hand. Never been married. Never, ever been married. Now, he was probably, you know, when you're a little boy, you know, 50s old. But he's probably, he was in his 60s. And, um, but uh, he died. And uh, we went to his funeral. And there were three people at his funeral. My dad and I and the minister. And he died alone. I can't imagine how tough that would be. You know, of course, I was just, you know, young man. I, you know, I didn't, um, wasn't saved at that time. And so, um, 
Amen. Uh, so anyway, life is relational. That's what I was about to say. It's relational. The most important thing in your life is your relationship with God and your relationship with one another. Which is exactly why Jesus came into our world. It was to restore to every sinner his spiritual identity. And you know, uh, people or creation, all creation yearns for its true identity. We came, this, I want you to understand this, you came from God for God. You came from God for God. I want everybody to know that. Amen. You're, you, didn't, you weren't born uh, by mishap. My dad, used to, my dad used to joke around saying, he'd tell me, he said, um, uh, son, you're, you were just a, you're born from a good time at the beach. You know, it's just it's a joke, you know. And, um, but we were born for a purpose, and that was to honor God, love God, and love one another. Amen. And Jesus came for that purpose. Hallelujah. So what is the difference between religion and true Christianity? And we'll talk about true Christianity in a moment even, even more. But uh, religion, of course, is man's effort to try to reach God through his own works, through his own human effort, through his own intellect. And uh, in Christianity, we reach God with our faith. Amen. With our faith. Aren't you glad that God has eyes to see He has ears to hear, amen, and he understands everything about your life, all the challenges and struggles you go through. You know, what's so beautiful about Jesus is this. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways like as we are. He was tempted in all ways, just as we are, yet without sin. So he understands the struggles of life. I believe that Jesus would have liked to gotten married, had a family, but that wasn't his divine purpose. His divine purpose was to carry the message of God's love to a world, praise God, that needed him. Amen. So to discover who Jesus is, you have to go and spend time in the Gospels. Because it's in the Gospels you see who Jesus really is. Amen. And that he's a very loving, compassionate, merciful, and forgiving um, God. If you agree, say amen. That's who he is. And of course, he wants us to carry that same image into the world. So Christianity is not a religion, but an inward living relationship with uh, our creator, God. Now, listen to this. All humanity is flawed. I just want you to know that. All humanity is flawed both inwardly and outwardly. And we'll talk about that in a moment. No matter the color of our skin, no matter the creeds that we embrace, whether we claim to be Christian or otherwise, we're all flawed and in need of God's divine intervention on a daily basis. If you agree, say amen. Amen. We do. Outwardly, we're like Adam. We're, because we came uh, for out of Adam with natural bodies, we are his offspring. We're made of the earth, the Bible says, and we'll look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians. We're made of the earth, earthy, which means there is a natural, worldly, carnal, and sense world, a sense-ruled uh, um, side of our lives, which, which is what? masks the value of our spirit nature on the inside. Uh, If we didn't have the Adamic nature, Jesus would be flooding out of our lives 100%, if you agree to that. I mean, there would be no masking, but the outer man is what masks the quality of the inner man, uh, especially when we're made in the image and likeness of God after being born again. Before Adam transgressed God's word, because that's what sin in, sin is disobeying God's word. Okay, that's what sin is, 
all right? Uh, before he transgressed, he was 100% godlike on the inside, and he was 100% earthlike on the outside. He came from the dirt of the ground, his body did. God breathed into his nostrils eternal, everlasting life. And at that point, God, Adam was filled with God on the inside. Amen. And to avoid making uh, uh, man robotic, God gave us a soul, which is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. In other words, Adam was a free-willed moral agent and given the power to choose. And if he chose to live his life within the boundaries of God's word, God blessed him with the fullness of his presence and the fullness of his protection and in the fullness of his provision. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So he had a will to choose that. Or he could try to do life on his own. Raise your hand if you ever tried to do life on your own before Jesus. It doesn't work, does it? No. I said it doesn't work, does it? Mm -mm, this doesn't. Why? Because we, we, are, we are of that natural, carnal, worldly, sense-ruled person without Christ enthroned, and it just doesn't work. We, always, we um, always make the wrong choices. And so Adam lost his divine union with God when he transgressed, uh, which is, again, what, exactly why Jesus came into our world. It was to restore fallen humanity to his spiritual state with God. Look at here, 1 Corinthians 15. It says, the scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Isn't that beautiful? He's a life-giving spirit. Jesus was. In fact, you know, he said of himself, uh, no one comes to the Father but by me. And then he also said, no one comes to, the, uh, no one comes to me except the Father draw him. You're not saved by mishap today. When you called upon God, God was already drawing you to himself. Why don't you go ahead and thank him right now for that. Amen. And then you discovered your spiritual identity uh, was found in Christ Jesus. What, what, what comes first is the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth. Here he tells us. Okay. While Christ, the second man, or the last Adam, came from heaven. So earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Amen. I said amen. amen. And our only hope of discovering our true identity, both inwardly and outwardly, is found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's frustrating about religion. You go to church, you try to do your best, you know, there must be an answer here, but if that church does not provide you the message of redemption or salvation, that you must be born again. There has to be a change in the inside that only God can do. If you don't know that, though, then you can't respond to that. I mean, I'm just not talking about getting that here at church. You, you have been called to be a light to the world and a salt to the earth. Can I have an amen? So therefore, the people around you will never know the goodness of God unless you tell them how good God is to you. So the word Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ, Christ was not Jesus' last name. The word Jesus, it comes from the Hebrew word Jehoshua. It means Jehovah delivers or saves. And then the word Christ simply means the anointed one. The word anointing, you know, when you look it up in Hebrew or the Greek and the Hebrew, the word anointing, it's kind of a strange word. It just simply means to rub on. <laughs> to rub on. You know, if you ever hold the old, you've heard the old phrase, Rubbing shoulders of someone, you know? Well, you get close to someone, you become like them. Yeah. Amen. Amen? 
So that's his, when you walk with God, you, you, you live a life of reverence and humility and subservience to God. I tell you, his presence gets rubbed on you. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 It's true. If you've ever hung around people long enough or hang around someone long enough, you begin to talk like them and act like them, right? We farmed. You hung around the hog barn. Boy, there's a difference between hog smell and cow smell. Cow smell was much better. If there's such a thing. Amen. You hang around God long enough, you'll start to smell like God. The Bible, amen. The Bible says you become a sweet-smelling savor. That's Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So God anointed or spiritually equipped Jesus on this divine mission to save man. He anointed him or spiritually equipped him to become sin for us, the Bible says, who knew no sin, so that we could be made in right standing with God. So if you have, if you have Christ into your life today, you have right standing with God. Right standing with God doesn't mean the right to do anything you want. Right standing with God means you have the right to do everything he wants you to do. And the ability, absolutely. And the ability, without a doubt. Thank you, Lord. And you know, this Christ-like life, you know, is not easy to do. Again, because you're dealing and fighting against uh, this Adamic nature that you are clothed with. But you know, I've heard people say, you know, oh, pastor, pray for me. I want to be delivered from lust. Well, they don't have to kill you. See, at that, that force is in your Adamic nature. Amen. Oh, you can conquer it all right. You conquer it through the spirit of God and the word of God. Amen. And uh, absolutely, but it's still there. It's in the Adamic nature. That's why the world is so messed up. The world is so distorted uh, morally because they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. So Jesus was equipped to reverse the spiritual curse called spiritual death, which means separation from God, so that, that, he, so that in that he became the way, the truth, and the life. He is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, I know many of you here, most of you, 99% of you probably already know this message, but how many of you realize that this is a message you need to take to the world that, we're, that, that you live around? Amen. Thank you. It, it, it isn't just, you know, it, it isn't just here. You know, it's great when you bring people to church, but it's another thing when you go out and you let them see your light. Amen. In a world of darkness. So what is a Christian or Christ-like person supposed to look like? Sound like, act like, and be like. I heard someone say years ago, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? You remember when Peter, I mean, oh, Peter, what a guy. I mean, he was, he was, I mean, he, he, loved, he loved the Lord. And he really felt in his heart that he, he would be the, he'd be the last one to forsake Jesus. Right? I mean, I mean, all the others may, but not me, you know. And, uh, and, and then there came a point where Jesus got arrested, and they said, weren't you, weren't you, weren't you? I, I saw you with Jesus. And what did Peter do? He began to curse. You blankety blank blank. I don't know who he is. Peter didn't realize that without the Spirit of God on the inside of him, he could not have and conquer the pressures of life 
that were coming against him at that time. And you know, Jesus never looked on at him because he knew that Peter would become a great preacher. Amen. I said amen. In fact, Peter not only became a great preacher, wrote some great uh, words that we find in the two letters of Peter, but uh, when he died, he requested that he be hung upside down. You think of the price these men paid for the salvation that you enjoy today. Can I have an amen? So, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Only you can answer that. Amen. But that is humbling, especially for us who claim to be Christ-like, and then all the challenges of life come to test that Christ-likeness. Are you all here this morning? Amen. Amen. Jesus said, if you've seen me in action, you've seen the Father in action. That's John 14, 9. So to know God is to know his beloved son. And to know his beloved son, uh, son, you open your scriptures up and let the spirit of God teach you and instruct you who he is. Say this out loud. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Amen. I do. I love him with all my heart. Every day, I'm constantly communicating with the Holy Spirit, asking him to help me. Help me not to say the wrong things, do the wrong things. Help me to honor him and to um, not grieve him by the pressures that come against us. And I believe because I have that awareness and you have that awareness, he honors that and equips us so that we keep growing from grace to grace, from faith to faith, so we become more like him. If you agree, say amen. amen. In Luke, the sixth chapter, Jesus revealed... The, the, the heart and the true identity of God. He says this in verse 31, do to others as you would have them do to you. We know that as the golden rule. Do to others as you would want them to do to you. And that's something, that something, we get it backwards. We'll, we'll, do the others, we'll do to others once they do it for us. But, but Jesus was just the opposite. He went on to say this, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them, but love your enemies. Think about that. Love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Love your enemies. I tell you, the pressure of the church just came out, you know, through the last voting. You know, voting is this week, so you need to get out and vote. And, um, but uh, the, the pressure, the, 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 the fruit of the church uh, came out in the last election, you know. I'm telling you what, I'm so glad Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Because, see, back then, back in Jesus' day, the Roman government ruled, and they ruled with an iron fist. And, and I, I mean, there was a threat to everybody's life if they didn't line up with that. And way, they had a far worse authority thousand times worse than you and I do have in America. A thousand times worse. They died for their faith. They were stoned to death for their faith. They were ridiculed for their faith. They were stripped of their fortunes because of their faith. They lost their family name because they committed their lives to Christ. Jesus, I can't imagine what they were thinking when he was teaching this uh, this this way that you can't follow except through God's help. But love your enemies. 
do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. The Lord said to me one day, and I don't know what talks, in some of the translations here, it talks about money, but I don't think money was the issue. It was something that was valuable. And the most valuable thing that you have in your life is the nature of God. Come on. That's the most valuable thing you have in your life. So when you give God's nature away to people, you give uh, your own family and friends, you give them love and mercy and compassion and grace and long suffering. Hey, just when you give that, don't expect anything in return because you'll be disappointed because we become no more than the sinners. Oh, look, I did this for them. They haven't done nothing for me. Well, guess what? God said he's going to reward you. He goes on and says, your reward will be great. You'll be the sons of the most high because he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And if he wasn't, none of us would qualify for his kingdom. I mean, you may think God just hates those, those um, whatever you're party of. He sure hates those Republicans and Democrats and independents. No, God loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. So he goes on, Jesus be merciful just as your father is merciful. Only you, can, only you can discern that. A self-righteous person won't consider that because it's full of himself. But if you really are honest with yourself, then you'll have no problem being merciful to people as your father is merciful to you on a daily basis. <laughs> Do not judge, and you'll not be judged. What he's saying there is, you know, don't judge the behavior of other people in this sense. I mean, judge it, judge it for what it is to you. But don't judge them. Pray for them. Because without Christ in your life, you'd be exactly like them. That's what he's saying there. Do not condemn, and you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give what? Give the nature of God, mercy, love, compassion, forgiveness, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you again. There's, um, I want you to turn to... Um, John the 8th chapter, we're going to look at a couple examples. John the 8th chapter. Say praise the Lord. In John the 8th chapter, first of all, I wrote this down. First John 4 says God is love. So what does, God, what, what does the God kind of love look like? In John the 8th chapter, I just want to read a couple, two quick stories here and then we'll be done. Jesus went into the Mount of Olives and early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him, and he sat down, and he taught them. So he's in the, temple, he's in the house of God. He's teaching the word of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. That's what he's teaching, okay? And the Bible says, the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him, these were the religious Jews of their day, brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Again, doesn't say it, but I personally believe that they set her up. That they set her up. Now Moses in the law commands us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. Accuse him of what? Breaking the law. 
See, the law of love surpasses all laws. And that Jesus stooped down and with the finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Very possible Jesus was, was, you know, penning some of the um, uh, other commandments that brought conviction to their hearts because they sure were, they sure knew the commandments with their head, but didn't live them with their hearts. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted, being convicted. What's well, the conviction cannot come without, without revelation? So I'm sure he was writing specific things, maybe of their own lives, exposing what they were doing at that moment in their own lives. And uh, they were convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst, can you, can you imagine? Here's a woman that knows that in the Judaic law, the, the Levitical law, that such a woman should be stoned, and she's standing before God himself. And Jesus lifted up himself and saw no one but the woman, and he said to her, Woman, where are thou those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn thee, neither do I condemn thee. But of course, he gave her instruction, go and sin no more. She was just caught in the very act of sexual sin. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you. I do forgive you. There's a scripture, I don't know if it's here or not. It's not here. It says, those that have been forgiven much, love much. But those that have been forgiven little, love little. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean what it sounds like it means. It means if you really recognize just how much God forgives you, you will love others no matter what. But you have to recognize that. He said, neither do I condemn thee to go, go and sin no more, verse 12. And then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Come on. Can you give God praise for that? We'll have the light of life. Hallelujah. One more scripture of story, Luke 7. These stories are beautiful. In Luke, the seventh chapter. We learn from the scriptures. Can I have an amen? We're looking at Christ, or looking at God, the true identity of Almighty God. Luke, the seventh chapter, verse 36. And one of the Pharisees, again, oh, I tell you, these guys were so full of themselves. One of the Pharisees desired him, that's Jesus, that he would come and eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment, okay? Now, just so you know, most of you do probably, that this alabaster box of anointing, number one, was valued at a whole year's salary. Come on, a whole year's salary. And guess what she did? 
She got it through prostitution. And stood at his feet. Behind him, she's weeping. And she began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with her hairs of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisees which had invited him saw it, he, he spoke within himself. You've got to be careful what you're saying inside because God hears it all. He said within himself, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who, what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have something to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on, I'm sure you're going to really get this woman now. There was a creditor, certain creditor, which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had both nothing to pay, he frankly both, uh, frankly forgave them both. Two debtors. One owed hundreds of thousands, the other owed just a few hundred. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love most? And Simon answered, well, I suppose he to whom forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. This man was so filled with pride and self-righteousness that he could not stop for a moment and discern the spiritual value of his own life. That in all reality, he was worse than this woman. <laughs> and he turned. He said, you have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, you see this woman? I entered your house, Simon. You gave me no water for my feet. She washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. There's something so precious when you know that God forgives you. I'm not talking about the day you got saved. I'm talking about it on a daily basis. Remember the Holy Spirit said this to me years ago. He says he's so sweet when he says things to me. I mean, it came from him. I never heard it from nobody else. I heard it out of my spirit. He says, he said, the conviction to do right must become stronger than the temptation to do wrong. Think about that. The conviction, it isn't just about getting up in the morning and making their choices. It's knowing who's ruling and reigning on the inside of you. The conviction to do right must become stronger than the temptation to do wrong. It isn't just say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, there's something on the inside of you that grabs you and says, don't you say that. Don't you act like that. Don't you do that. How many want that kind of conviction in your life? Me too. This woman, since the time it came in, not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. For to whom little is forgiven, the same, loveth, the same loves little. There it is. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with them began to praise God, rejoice, and dance around the room because their sins were forgiven. Oh, no, I didn't say that, did it? <laughs> They're all looking, where's that at? They began to say within themselves, who is this 
that forgiveth sins also. And he said to the woman, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. That's what true Christianity is. I know personally that I have been forgiven much. I have no problem forgiving others. None. And then there are times, you know, years ago, God taught me as a young Christian, we had somebody do something against us many, many years ago in the, when we were in, the, in, the, in our own uh, business, uh, trucking uh, company business. And they did us great ought. Again, they were, they were really harm. And so at that moment, we were actually in our first year in ministry. We didn't have much money. We didn't have, you know. But this guy, this guy filed bankruptcy on us, left us with, because I was a, a co-signer on a note that he had at the bank. I had to pay the note off. It took me seven years. But I'm driving on the road one day. I'm just a young, not, you know, 1981, so cold. Yeah, I've been saved 10 years. And um, uh, I drive on the road one day, and thinking, mauling this thing in my mind, you know. And God said to me, it's clear as I'm talking to you, on the inside, he says, you forgive him. And man, when I heard that, I didn't even stop to consider anything but forgiving him. And when I, and when I did, I said, Lord, but how do I do that? He said, by faith. So I did. By faith, I forgave him. Never brought it up again. God graced us. We were just starting the church out. Didn't have anything. But God graced us with the payment, that monthly payment. I could have gone for a car in those days, but, and we paid that off, praise God. Can somebody say hallelujah? hallelujah? But guess what? We may have struggled that with for years if we wouldn't have obeyed God. Amen. I said amen. amen. Why don't you stand? I want to pray for you this morning. As the musicians are coming, I want to read two verses of you, I mean, in Ephesians 5, because it's so beautiful, how it's written. You want to put that up, Ephesians 5? We'll look at that together, and, and, then, uh, and then we'll look at uh, uh, what it says in the message. Imitate God. Say, imitate God. Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear, dear children. Hallelujah. Is that all I wrote on that scripture? Verse 2, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Listen to what the Message Bible says. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Do you hear me? Didn't say watch what your neighbor does, your wife does, your husband does, your children do. You watch what God does. And then... You do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Is that awesome? Come on, people. Are you here this morning? Why don't you thank the Lord right now that he loves you? Amen. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Love like that. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.